Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His, his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. When, then the master called in the servants, you wicked servant, he said, I canceled all your debts because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servants just as I on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each one of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is the word of the Lord. As we begin the new year, you know, we want to try new things. I want to try new things. So I'd like to begin today's teaching uh, by singing in front of you. Yeah, I'm going to sing in front of you. And you can sing along if you uh, want. Maybe you know the song. Ready? You know the song. Should all acquaintance be forgot and never brought to mind? Should all acquaintance be forgot and the days of all old sign? There you go. Hey, good. give yourself a round of applause. That's very good. Now, separately, give me a round of applause. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Now, so Auld Lang Syne is, um, is it's a uh, Scottish song that's traditionally sung on New Year's Eve, which you, you may know. And it's to welcome the new year. And uh, the song's lyrics are written in Lowland Scots, which is a form of English. And it's about preserving old friendships and looking back on the past with fondness. As I was thinking and preparing and praying for you today, and for you, this is my prayer for you in 2023, that you would be able to look back on your past with a sense of fondness, with a sense of appreciation, with a sense of health. Because if you can do that, you are perfectly positioned for a healthier present and an exciting future. And one of the ways that you can begin the new year, that you can begin 2023 on the right foot, is to understand and practice forgiveness. Why? Because forgiveness allows us to move on. It not only releases the other person from the revenge that you have, from the emotional and the mental debt that they owe you, it also releases you. It frees you. It liberates you. It gives you hope. And for some of you today, 
I hate to say it, but it's true. Some of you are held captive by the past because of unforgiveness, and it's actually robbing you from your future. It's stealing your joy. So over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about forgiveness, what it is, how to do it. We're going to talk about it on all different levels, the one-to-one, how we forgive groups of people, how we think in terms of our family. We're also going to talk in terms of how we think about forgiveness in our society and in uh, cancel culture and so on. So I'd like, to begin, uh, I'd like to begin this with a question. How many times should you forgive somebody? Honestly. I know we just read a few verses about it, but how many times should we forgive somebody? Perhaps someone has violated you in the past. Perhaps someone, uh, it's been years, but you just can't shake what they've done. Maybe you trusted someone and they hurt you. Uh, Maybe you thought you could count on somebody, but they betrayed you. Maybe someone said that they're going to stop doing that thing that they always do, but they keep doing it again and again and again, and they keep saying, I'm sorry, but they keep doing it again and again. Now, in our current cultural climate, people have a hard time with that. People have a hard time forgiveness, with forgiveness or for forgiveness, because for many of us, myself included, many people want and believe that they need justice. We feel that we deserve justice, meaning that we want the wrongs to be righted. And if you're anything like me, I want the wrongs to be righted. Sometimes I want people to pay for what they've done. And so often, our internal need for justice seems to conflict with the idea of forgiveness. Are you following me? Does this make sense? Now, the issue of Forgiveness, when to forgive and how much to forgive, is not a new issue for us today. This is a very old issue. In ancient Palestine, in the times of Jesus, the disciples also struggled with the idea of forgiveness and justice and its collision. Think about the disciples for a minute. These were working class people, not from the cool part of the country, but from the backwoods part of the country, y'all. And they didn't like, they weren't well respected by the cosmopolitan sophisticants of Jerusalem. These people felt, no, undoubtedly they felt slighted but even by their own culture. Moreover, the people that lived in ancient Palestine were occupied by Romans. They were, think about this, like when we talk about culture and oppression today and, and, and the realities of that, think about this. There is a one culture that's saying it's superior to another. They're actively occupying that other culture and subjugating them through force, through the Pax Romana, which meant peace, but the Roman peace was brought by violence and war. And so they feel oppressed by the Romans. And into this oppression, and into this difficult time in history in ancient Palestine, Jesus comes on the scene and he says, you, if you're going to be my followers, you have to be very good at forgiveness. We have to be, learn to be very good at forgiving other people. And Peter thinks he's clever. And he thinks, he says, how many times should I forgive somebody? And he goes, up to seven times. Because in the tradition... The ancient Jewish tradition, three times was plenty. So Peter thought he was, a, he was a big guy saying seven times, and he picked the perfect number. And he's thinking, trying to get brownie points with J.C. But J.C. comes back at him, and he says, no, not seven times. And then this version that we just read, he said 77 times, and other times it says 70 times seven, which is a lot more than Peter thought. Now, some people wrongly think that we're only supposed to give people 490 times, if my math is correct, but that's not the point of what's happening here. What is Jesus getting at? What is the definition of forgiveness? 
What do we actually need to do to forgive someone? If we're going to take what Jesus says in these verses seriously, and why do we need to do it? Well, the core definition of forgiveness has four parts to it. Tell the truth, take pity, cancel the debt, and release. First, the first part is tell the truth. In the parable, the king had the man, and this is in verse 24, the king had the man brought to him. And the debt was actually named. And in this debt, it says uh, that, the, that the servant owed the king about 10,000 bags of gold. In other versions, it says 10,000 talents. And in today's terms, this would be the equivalent of someone who earns $40,000 a year owing a debt of somewhere in the neighborhood of $400 billion. It is an immeasurable amount. It, you cannot pay it back. It would be impossible to pay it back. And so it was customary during this time that it, when someone couldn't pay back the debt, that the person and maybe even their whole family would become the slaves or sold into slavery to pay back the debt. Now, when you're sold into slavery, you don't make any more money, which means that the king wouldn't recoup his costs, and also there was no chance that the person would ever get out of slavery. And so forgiveness, what we see here is that forgiveness starts with actually naming what has been done and what has happened. And this can be done in one of two ways for us. Now, the king had the man brought before him and he named it directly to him. You owe me $40 billion. In our situation, sometimes we need to tell the truth directly to the person. We need to name the offense that has happened to us. And sometimes it's necessary to do this to, for us to learn how to, uh, how, to, how to develop courage. Now, in other situations, sometimes we need to speak the truth and tell the truth, but the, we're unable to actually be with that person for any number of reasons. You're estranged, like you're no longer in a relationship with them. Uh, there's a restraining order. There, it just wouldn't be right if you were to reach out to them, or in fact, the person is dead, okay? Sometimes people harbor unforgiveness uh, against people that are dead, and they're not coming back, so you can't meet with them right? And so naming the offense is essential because we have to be honest. And sometimes the problem with naming the offense is we don't want to be honest with ourselves. We don't want to admit that we were taken advantage of, or we don't want to hurt someone's feelings, or we think that it could actually detriment the relationship even further. But part of forgiveness is being honest with yourself and the other people that you have been offended, that something has happened. Are we clear? Tell the truth. And so one of the steps you're going to have to take if you want to forgive someone is you're going to have to be honest and muster the courage to tell the truth. Number two, the second thing we see Jesus tells in the story is that the king took pity on him. He took pity on the servant. And to have pity on someone means, um, it means someone who has wronged you deliberately that you do the internal work of understanding the perpetrator's situation. And you understand the perpetrator's vulnerability. Basically what this means is we empathize. We walk a mile in their shoes. Now, folks, to be honest, I find this to be very difficult. And it is not a natural thing to do. Why? Because my heart my heart wants to concentrate on how bad the wrongdoer is. They were bad. They were mean. And, and I want to talk and think about how much that person deserves to suffer. But in the story, 
we see that the king, who's representing God, thinks of the perpetrator not just as a villain, but as a human being that has his own fears and his own griefs. And if you want to forgive someone, you're going to have to figure out how to walk a mile in their shoes. It's not natural, but it's important to the process. The third thing that happens is that you cancel the debt. To cancel the debt brings us to the very heart of forgiveness. And when the king forgave the debt, it means that he absorbed the loss himself. He just covered it. For instance, if I take a loan out from somebody and then I say I can't pay it back, the creditor who forgives my debt, it means that she has to absorb that debt. But someone might say, well, Chris, that's, we're talking about money and banks. This is, this, is, this is real life. We're not talking about that. Well, forgiveness means that when you want to make someone suffer, you refuse to do it. You refuse to make the other person suffer. And I get that. I get, I get it, guys. This is really hard. Ask my wife. I'm bad at this. I want those who have offended me to suffer. <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest with you. If someone crosses me the wrong way, I pray Old Testament prayers. <laughs> and, for, and those were mean. I want, and like, like they, I mean, and, and you know, I mean, some of you are honest with yourself. You know what I'm talking about. Here's what I want. I want my pound. I want my pound of flesh. I want them to in this weird alternate scenario, to feel everything that I felt, but feel it for themselves. I want them to go through everything, and then I want them to suffer equal to or greater the amount that I've suffered. Uh, and I want to be able to look and go, ha, I told you. And then for some reason they go, oh, I've come to the realization that I hurt you. And I want them to feel what I felt. And I'm not going to let that feeling go until I feel internally that they have received enough pain and suffering that makes, so it makes me feel better. And um, have I gone too far? Is that, is it, I mean, that's just how I feel. Now, if you're honest with yourself, maybe you felt those thoughts too. And why do I feel those things? And if you feel those things or experience those things, why do we want others to suffer? Maybe we don't want them to die or like, uh, you know, like, <laughs> but maybe you want them just to feel a little bit, you know, why do we want that? Why? Because we're hurting. Because we feel hurt. And forgiveness is hard because and difficult and costly because we're saying that we're going to absorb that debt. We're going to absorb that hurt. And when we forgive someone, it doesn't mean that the hurt just disappears. It's not a tax write-off. It means that we're choosing to let go of our anger and move forward rather than to allow it to hold us back. Just like the king in the story, if you and I are going to forgive... We're going to have to be willing to take on the burden and the cost. You're going to have to absorb that cost yourself. And that is really hard. Now, some people think that if they remain angry at the wrongdoer, the wrongdoer is going to get what they deserve. But in reality, that's not true. And if that's you, what you're doing is you're just enabling their actions to continue to hurt you. 
Think about it this way. How many people do you know who are angry at somebody or something, and they've just not forgiven them? They're angry. Who is it affecting? That person who's angry at the person, who is it affecting? It may not be necessarily affecting the offender. It might be a little bit. Maybe there's an estranged relationship. Maybe there's some pain there. It's affecting more the one who's been offended. You know, a lot of modern studies and a lot of modern psychology and science is catching up to the old ancient wisdom of the scriptures. And it's, and it's this, is that when we hold on to unforgiveness, it's toxic. It, does, it might hurt them, but it's clearly going to hurt us. It's like holding nuclear waste in your heart. Oh, it's bright and it glows a little bit. It won't hurt me. It will hurt you. It's toxic. It eats you up. It preoccupies you. And it destroys your mental health and your emotional health. I don't, I, I, when I think about you, I, I don't know if you're harboring anything. But your mental and emotional health depends on you forgiving people. You cannot hold on to it. Because if you continue to hold on to it, it will eat you up. Forgiveness is not just important for the other person. And in God's economy for justice and forgiveness and the whole Christian thing of Jesus forgiving us. It's like if you just took that part out, even if you didn't believe that heart part, forgiveness is just good for your mental health. It's good for your emotional health. And some of you have wasted too much time in 2022 thinking about things and you're allowing other people's actions to still have power over you in 2023. It's got to stop. So that's my plug for forgiveness. It's good for your mental health, your emotional health. Now, I don't know how to say this any other way. But if you're in the position to forgive someone, or you desire to forgive someone this morning, if you're going to forgive someone like Jesus instructs us to forgive someone, there is no way that you can forgive that person without it costing you something, without it costing your time, your pride, your money. It may cost you giving up uh, just that desire to see justice happen that you're holding on to. Keep that in mind. Forgiveness is costly. And that comes down to the last thing. After we cancel the debt, we release. In the story that uh, Nicole read, it says that the king let him go, which means the king, the relationship between the king and the man was restored. The king released him. And the part of this story that's going to raise questions for the modern viewer, especially a skeptic or someone that doesn't really follow the Christian faith, is that they're going to say that, that there's concerns about justice here. Like, what if he does it again? I don't want to be a doormat. These are complicated issues around safety and being around this person. Listen, all of those things all of those concerns are very valid. And I want to let you know that Jesus addresses those in different parts of his message in the scriptures. And the New Testament is very consistent on protecting those who are vulnerable. As well as in the Old Testament, the scriptures are very concerned about protecting and seeking justice for those who are vulnerable, for those who are in need, for those who can't protect themselves. And I need to tell you that you are never supposed to be a doormat for another person. You know that? 
And so what we see in this particular verse, he's focusing on the importance of forgiveness, but forgiveness and the scriptures as a whole works hand in hand with justice. But just hear this for today. If you don't forgive a person, if you withhold forgiveness from a person, your justice will likely and eventually veer into the territory of revenge and retaliation. At some point, there needs to be a release. Now, some of you might say, you know what? I want to forgive, but it's just too hard. Chris, I know you personally, and your suburban childhood is just too nice. You don't understand what I've been through. I can't do it. Some of you may have been abused by a loved one. Some of you may have experienced long-term legal or financial ramifications from somebody that you trusted. Or perhaps uh, the offense is so personal or so deep, it just hurts so bad. You're like, I can't forgive. Well, I get that. I feel you. And I think that there's a step that you can take in the midst of your pain. And it comes from the understanding that you do need help. You need help to forgive. And the help you need begins by understanding that you are actually different than the king in the story. See, the king who's representing God was perfect at all things. And in the last time I checked, you're not perfect. You can't do or operate at the level God can operate when it comes to for forgiveness. And the king has this perfect ability to provide forgiveness to people. And so what we need to recognize is if we can't do it on our own, if we can't release the person on our own, the best way that I have found to release the person is to release them or her into prayer with God. And, you know, how do you do that? Well, during the pandemic when we were trying to meet in outdoors, which was uh, lovely, by the way, um, we were meeting outdoors. I was talking to somebody who was there. It, it, was, a, it was a husband. And um, he's like sitting there. And we're having like a real conversation. Well, this wife, uh, God bless her heart, uh, she had her like, you know, two or three-year-old son she walks right up in the middle of our conversation and she just straight dumps the kid in his lap in the middle. She goes, and she walks away, like walked away. And I was like, huh, that's weird. And I forgot about that story until I was preparing for this week. And the reason I thought about it, the way she dumped was violent and didn't care and I'm walking away. And I think sometimes we need to pray dump prayers to God. We need to go before God and without any concern, without thinking about it, without, is this a good time to talk, God? Like not doing the mental, emotional um, uh, rigmarole. We just need to walk up and we need to hand him what we got. And what we see throughout the entirety of the scriptures is that God welcomes that. And when we cast our cares upon him, he takes them. He cares for us. And this is one of the guarantees. Supernaturally, he steps in. When we dump our prayers onto him, he steps in. And he begins to change us. 
He begins to change our hearts and our mind. And he even begins to change our physiological responses to the pain we've experienced. And for some of you, some of you, you just need to dump your prayer into God's lap. You say, God, I can't forgive. I'm just releasing the person to you. So those are the four steps of forgiveness. Now, on to the big problem. In the story, we see that the king forgives the servant, but the servant goes out and does not forgive his fellow colleague, his fellow servant. Why would Jesus ruin a good story like this? Why would he include an ending where someone ends back up in jail? Oh, man, I'm in prison again. Recidivism. Why would he do that? Well, Jesus included it because he's smart. And he understands how people actually work. He understood that the human species can be so forgetful about what good things have been done for them and they'll turn around and just screw somebody else over. We're the most forgetful creatures on the planet, probably. What do I mean? How many people do you know, not you, of course, other people, ask for forgiveness but still yet demand justice from everybody else in their lives? And like, they say, well, I'm only human. I make mistakes. Can you forgive me? But at the same time, they turn to their brother, they turn to their sister, and they refuse to forgive because they still want justice. The reason that Jesus told a story the way that he told a story is that forgiveness is something that shouldn't just change the forgiver. It should change the person who's forgiven as well. And if you can't forgive as God has forgiven you, then it shows perhaps that you haven't truly received God's forgiveness. Why? Because forgiveness should change us. Let me ask you a personal question. If um, I was the auditor of your forgiveness life, say there was a position uh, at the county level where uh, it was an auditor that would go around and audit people's forgiveness personal lifestyle. And I I held that position. I won it in a free and fair election. (laughs) And uh, someone audited, and and so say I was to audit your forgiveness life, what would they discover? What would I discover? Do you plea that you're only human when you make mistakes? Do you cut yourself a break all the time? But then do you turn around and do you demand perfection and justice from everybody else when it comes to those who have offended you? If so, Jesus' story might be directed to you. And Jesus says repeatedly, and the disciples and the writers of the New Testament continually say that the reason the Christian community is unique And one of the main reasons that the world will know that Jesus is who he claimed to be is when Jesus' followers demonstrate that they know God personally by the way that they forgive each other and by the way they forgive other people in their lives because they were forgiven themselves. It's the whole project, folks. It's the whole thing. God forgives us. It changes us. We go on to forgive others. Our Christian churches, let me ask you a question. Are Christian churches famous for their love and their graciousness towards skeptics and unbelievers or non-believers? They're not. Christians, we might be the original cancel culture. 
Now, in popular culture, let's just use a random example called Twitter. Is Twitter famous for its graciousness towards others who make mistakes? It is not. It is canceling one another. And you know, I've looked around, and I know you've looked around too, and we probably agree on parts of this. We've looked around, and I've noticed that Christians aren't that great at forgiving non-believers and skeptics around Christian morality and uh, Christian lifestyle issues. That's nothing new. We all know that. Hey, I don't like your lifestyle. So, boo, I won't forgive you. What's that? Okay. Yeah, boo. Yeah, right? Yeah. But I've also noticed, and this is like really frustrating, I've also noticed that Christians will sort of join up with culture and they can be just as vitriolic and just as unforgiving as the rest of the world regarding general cultural issues. Not even just Christian issues. Like, if you disliked our former president, is it becoming of a Christian to withhold forgiveness from him? If the people, if people hold a political view that's different than yours, or a different social view, meaning that they don't vote for your team, like you have a team, right? Are you thinking of your team? Don't tell me your team. But you have your team, and you're going to vote for your team, right? Do you hold a grudge? Are you unforgiving towards the other team? You see, the toxic nature of unforgiveness is permeating every segment of our society. And it seems like many Christians, not us of course, but other Christians, do whatever the rest of the culture is doing when it comes to unforgiveness. And let me just say for the record, if you are a Christian, you are called by the very meaning of the good news of Jesus to forgive over and over and over again and to forgive people who are parts of different teams, who are part of different political parties and people that uh, offend you. And you will be audited at some point in your life on how you talk and treat people in social media and how you think about people who are different than you. And forgiveness is just the beginning. Jesus goes on to say, pray for your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you. Do you know how awful of a thing that is to say to the Roman emperor, empires who were over uh, the Roman Empire and the Roman soldiers that were overseeing them and holding them? We got a lot of work to do as a, as a as a movement of Christians in this country. Uh, this church started in 2018. We met for a couple years, and then we got shut down by the pandemic, and then we relaunched, and we're rebuilding. In 2022, last year, I had a hell of a time uh, forgiving someone who hurt me, uh, who hurt my family, and who sought to directly hurt this church. And it was toxic for me. And I wanted this person to pay like a big price. And uh, I didn't tell any of you this. I just kept it to myself. I didn't put it up on the screen. I thought as I was preparing to tell this story, I should put the person's picture on the screen but not say it. And I go, that won't be forgiving. (laughs) That's how mad I was. 
And, you know, I knew we were going to do the series about forgiveness. And so I'm getting into it. I'm like, Lord, what are you trying to teach me? And I was praying about it this week. And, like, this person came to mind. And it's been really hard to forgive, but I'm, I am getting there. And it continually has to be this process where I'm releasing this person to God, like, over and over again. Say, God, I can't, like, I just don't want, I'm so mad. Like, it was wrong. It was wrong, and it was wrong that they did this, and they went out of their way to do this and this. And I know the whole story. And, like, I want to have a good face. I don't tell you guys the details. But it was hurtful, and it was painful. And, you know, I felt like over this, you know, re most recently and then even this week that God is continuing to say, you need to let that stuff go. I have more for you. And part of that, I felt an experience this week where I was able to release more of that. And as I did that, man, it just, it, I felt the lightened load. And it wasn't just mental. It was like a spiritual lightening of the load that was in my heart. I was free and I had more capacity mentally and emotionally for other things. And I got to say, the power of that, the power of that experience really does come from Jesus. Jesus, who rightly sat and continues to sit in the universe's judgment seat, he came down, he put himself in the dock, and he went to the cross. I just thought to myself, if Jesus was willing to go to the cross for me, how much more easily should it be for me to forgive this person who offended me, who hurt me, who went out of their way to do the hurtful things? The judge of all the earth, who is, he became judged for you and for me. He was punished for you and for me. And he took the punishment that you and I deserve. And he took the punishment that that person that I was angry with, what they deserve. And this humbles out of me. It humbled out of me at least at the time and it continues. The bitterness. Because I know that I'm a sinner living by mercy. And when we get the view of forgiveness that has been given to us, then we actually have the true ability to forgive other people. And when we choose to forgive others, we're perfectly positioned to live the life that God wants us to live. We will be better off, guys, if we forgive. So, when I look back on 2023... I'm already trying to think ahead, you know, like, aren't you, a little bit? When I look back on 2023, I want to say I was free. I was liberated. I'm so glad I made that good choice back then to focus on and to be able to focus on God's future for myself, my family, and for this church. So I pray that you would do the same. Why don't we all stand? We're going to worship one more time and then we're going to let you go. Um, but um, let's just pause right here. Part of our church is, uh, there's two kinds of prayer. The first kind of prayer is where we tell everything we need from God. That's great. We should do that all the time. But there's also a kind of prayer where we stop and pause and listen to what God might want to say. And I just want to do that right now because I think God might want to speak to some of us about forgiveness and other things. So let me just pause right now. God, we welcome you here.
We ask that you would speak to us.